Welcome to Beyond Synth. Please note, Beyond Synth is an explicit program and may contain inappropriate language. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Welcome to the show. My name is Andy Last, and this is Beyond Synth, episode 143? Yeah, sorry, I always forget. Um, This is Easter weekend, and my schedule is all messed up, so I won't have time to uh, do the Patreon thank yous this week, because I'm recording this intro thing last minute and uh, we're actually going to be playing the episode a day later on Friday this week but I don't know if it'll affect the SoundCloud too much I apologize it's just um, prepping to go away for the long weekend I didn't factor that in for some reason and so usually on the days that I'm editing I wasn't and I'm like oh I'll just edit it on Thursday and then it was like and Thursday comes around I'm like oh yeah I can't edit it today the point is that Das Mortal is on the show and I'll be chatting with him and since Marco was absent last week uh, we'll be keeping it 80s with Marco as well. So what we're going to do is we're going to listen to a song and then we'll chat with Marco and that's phase one. So here's a track from Away From Earth and uh, this person seems to do some space-themed songs with like astronaut samples and stuff in there. This is a cool one. It reminds me of something, but my brain is blanking right now and I don't have time to remember what I was thinking, but it reminds me of something and I like it. And this track is called Moonbird by Away From Earth.
And that was Moonbird by Away From Earth. And that's a cool track. And before we talk to Marco, I said I don't have time to go through the Patreon, but I will acknowledge that there are some people who upgraded their support this week, all right? So I want to say thanks to Ross Pentland, who upgraded his support. (laughs) And is now one of the heathens of the beast. So thanks, Ross. And also Binkley. Hey, Binkley. Thank you. Binkley has upgraded his support. So uh, thanks, guys, for uh, helping support the show. If you want to support Beyond Synth, you can go to patreon.com slash beyondsynth. Um, Usually I'm thanking all the people who donate to the show. However, this week I just don't have time. So uh, we are now going to go and chat with Marco. Uh, We'll have a little quick catch up here because we missed him last week. So uh, let's go keep it 80s. Marco. And we're keeping it 80s with Marco Merrick. Hey, Senor Andy. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing okay, man. Uh, How are you this week? We're doing a special because you were away last week on business and uh, now you're here. And I figured I didn't want to go like a whole month without hearing from Marco. So uh, that's what's going on. Uh, I just had to move house. I'm sorry I wasn't part of the show last week. Uh, or if it was the week before, I'm not even sure <laughs> which week it was. But uh, yeah, I just I've just had a lot on my plate uh, lately. So um, no, uh, all good. I'm settling in. Um, I've just set up my computer, so <laughs> it's been a bit hectic here, Andy. Yeah, it's crazy to me that you're like moving house and doing all this stuff when you're preparing for another move. Like, you're doing so much stuff, and then there's still this whole aspect of you actually coming to the States, you know? It's fucked. It's, it's a real headache. But, uh, yeah, I mean, um, shit happens. That's just the way things work out. Uh, still got a lot of loose ends to tie up here anyway. But, um, as you can imagine, moving to another country. Um, and I ain't exactly close to the US, so it's not like yeah. you can just fly back on the weekend and, oh, yeah, I'll just fly back and grab this, you know? You can't really do that. It's it's over 24 hours flying time plus a stop stopover, so yeah, um, it's pretty full-on, man. It would literally take you the weekend just to go there and back. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, it sucks until they, uh, until they finally invent transporters. Um, it really isn't easy, but uh, fucking get on it, scientists. What the fuck are you guys doing? You don't you don't want transporters, man. Why? Because there's that whole thing, you know, like with the Star Trek version where you're basically like atomized and like reconfigured on the other side. So technically, you die in the teleportation process. So the dude that ends up at the other side is not you. Uh, is that is that how really the, the physics behind it? Well, yeah, think about it, because what it's doing is it's basically, like, atomizing you and then recreating you on the other side. I don't really give a shit, as long as I can get around quickly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the thing, though, because, like, you'll be dead. I'll be dead. Like, the dude who ends up on the other side... Okay, you remember the movie The Fly with Jeff Goldblum? I was going to bring that up, yeah. But as long as a fly doesn't get in it, then that's fine. But you will have uh, insect nets around the transporter and (laughs) (laughs) shit. But the issue is, of course, that... It's like because it's not it's not you essentially going through the hole. It's like they're remaking you. Yeah. So it's I like hear. so that new dude like he will be just like you, mm-hmm. but you won't be. 
And so it's a troubling thing. So I would much rather some sort of like high speed tunnel or something in the center of the earth. But technically it's you. I mean, okay, so the atoms are all different, but you still got the same memories. You still, I mean, you're the same. You've watched Star Trek. It's the same person. Picard isn't somebody else. I mean, he's the same guy, but the Picard that went into the teleporter is technically dead. So the new Picard is exactly the same. Like he's a facsimile of the one that teleported. I mean, obviously in the context of Star Trek, the logic is you beam down and you're the same person. Mm. But if you actually think about the idea of turning into little tiny particles and then appearing on the other side, you're basically being reconfigured. And so it's like, it's not necessarily you. And that is, I believe, was the premise of the Jeff Goldblum, The Fly, is that every time he teleported, he considered it like a rebirth. Right. And that's why he loved doing it, because he was being like kind of remade. Reborn, yeah. But then when the fly got in there, yeah. uh, he turned into a giant fly man. He turned into an asshole, didn't he? Um. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <that's horrible. laughs> that should have been the, like, the, the other name of the movie. <laughs> Just, the fly, a.k.a. some asshole. It was, it was, so, so technically, is it new new atoms, or is it the actual same atoms that, you, that, that you're made of that is transported to the new location? I believe the people people who posit the theory that you're dying is like it's recreating you on the other side right so it's like if you teleported a hamburger the computer would digitize the information of the hamburger Mm -hmm. like atom by atom and then on the other side it would know how to recreate it based on the atoms it needed to create and so it would recreate the exact facsimile of that burger and then in the meantime the other burger gets vaporized so it's like it's essentially the same thing but it's not because it didn't actually travel. But then technically it's just a replicator kind of thing, right? Yeah. So that's kind of creepy. Yes, but I mean... (laughs) Well, yeah, the point is, right, in Star Trek, that's not... Like, that's not the lot. I, I, to be fair, though, I haven't watched a lot of Star Trek, so I don't know if they ever, like, if there's an episode where they go, oh, by the way, we die every time we get teleported. No, I don't think they say that, yeah. This is just people who actually think about it. You know, when, when you read those articles about, like, how real could a lightsaber be? Or, you know, how real could a warp mm-hmm. speed be and all that shit? So when they talk about teleportation, people raise the issue of, like, what if you're basically, like, broken apart into atoms and reconfigured on the other side, you're not you anymore. Like, the guy who's on the other side is a different... It's not the same person. And so, essentially, then you died when you got atomized. That's the, the idea. So that's why teleporters are a little impractical. And what's more practical... I don't know if you've ever seen the film Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Of course. <laughs> yeah. But they, they travel underground in these spheres, and uh, it would be more like that. So, like, you'd go into, like, some weird temple, and then Raiden would, like, blow a hole in the wall, and then you would, like, get inside this big sphere with Katana, and then you'd, like, roll around, and you'd be, like, rolling over, like, the lava in the center of the Earth to get different right. places. Yeah, well... Does that sound cool to you? It does, it does. Was that is that one of the worst sequels ever made, do you think? <laughs> <laughs> yes. We've been through yes. this before, haven't we, though? <laughs> I mean, what's worse? Yeah. What's What would be a That's worse a sequel? Because um, it's one of the worst movies. Oh, it's so so Troll 2, I guess. <laughs> but, I mean, like, Troll 1. Is, like, is Troll 1 considered, like, a masterpiece? Not really. I mean, it's okay. I haven't seen that in fucking ages, to be honest. I don't think I've ever seen Troll. I as a kid. I watched a lot of fucked up shit as a kid but anyway do you want to play a song for me <laughs> sure why not why not everybody's aware that Carpenter Brute has a new album out who it's got mixed responses some people absolutely love it some people as usual some people are disappointed but uh, I think it's pretty fucking awesome and uh, the album is Leather Teeth it's available at carpenterbrute.bandcamp.com just in case you've been snoozing and the track I want to play off at Andy 
is uh, Hairspray Hurricane. Sweet. Well, let's listen to this, man. This is Hairspray Hurricane by Carpenter Brute.
Thomas Carpenter Brutes. The track Hairspray Hurricane, Marco's first pick of the week. Yeah, I love when artists get big in the scene and you have to preface, you know, like, I'm going to play a Carpenter Brute song. And like, of course, it's going to have mixed responses. And then there's all these other artists who are just shitty who don't get mixed responses because they don't get responses. <laughs> yep, yep. But uh, Carpenter Brute is a, a talented dude. He really is. I'm curious now because I'm looking, when you know, when I look at the um, the information, you know, like when you're on Bandcamp, and he's he's actually like crediting the dudes in the band now. Are they a band now? That's a good question. I don't know. I, I, he's been on Facebook for so long, and he's kind of switched off social media a lot. So I haven't spoke to him in a couple of years now. So I really don't know. But it does appear that way, doesn't it? Surely he's not including them all just for his live, for his live, you know, tours and that. Yeah, because he's got the band that he tours with live, and that's fine. But since they were actually credited in the album, I'm like, okay, like, are they? That's interesting. I mean, that's cool. That's, it's fine with me. Yeah, like, I'm trying to think the last time I talked to <laughs> Carpenter Brute. I still have, I think it was, I'm going to say four years ago, because it was like season, Jeez. it was season two of the show, because I asked him, and this was still when he was mm. not as big as he is now, you know, I was just like, hey, do you want to do the, do you want to be one of the sponsors of, because yeah. remember, like, in season two, I used to have, I used to have sponsors at the start of the show before the credits rolled, and, and he's like, yeah, sure, and then he sent me the album. And I think that's the last time I've spoken to him, but whatever. We can't all be cool guys. No, that's true. That's true. Well, you're pretty cool, but... Yeah, I get shy. You know, when I when I saw, like, them in Toronto, <laughs> like, I actually, like, had the opportunity to talk to him, and I kind of didn't, and I was, like, kind of shy, so I just didn't do it. I don't know if I've ever said that aspect of the story really? before. He can't imagine you ever being shy. I mean, sorry, but I really can't. No, I can be shy in person. Do you have social anxiety? No, I can just be kind of shy. It just depends. It depends on the situation. If if I'm comfortable, mm-hmm. I, like, I've got sort of, like, two modes, and they're both sort of, like, at odds with each other. One hand... I get very comfortable with people very quickly, sometimes to the point of it being uncomfortable, like where when I just meet somebody, it only takes me a few seconds to start talking with them as if I've known them for a long time. Uh. And so sometimes people aren't ready for that. Like, I don't mean like I'm not like hugging people. Like, I'm not a very physical guy in person. Like, I don't touch people really. (laughs) Good. No, no, no. But I, I know people who are like that, you know, like they'll get very like hugsy really fast and stuff. And, you know, like I've got friends who are like close friends of mine from childhood and still the idea of like hugging like when we go away mm-hmm. uh, even though I only see them like once a year it's still sort of like there's only maybe like one or two of them that I'll actually like hug the other ones are like oh. alright you know see you in six months like and that's well, it I'll be hugging you when I meet you no it's the thing that. like I found I, I it, it depends there's certain people who I've just have certain relationships with where it's just of course we hug you know, but then some yeah. old old friends of mine from childhood is just we don't have that sort of relationship. We're not hugging friends, even though we're very close friends. But what I mean is like when I'm with people, I can just be very candid and very open very quickly. So I can just go right into telling people like pretty personal information about myself really fast. And most of the time it works because it just means that because I like cutting through the bullshit. I don't like small talk. Yeah. And so the quick the quicker I can just fucking guide a conversation to being more personal and it's more interesting for me and it's more fun and some people aren't cool with that you know like right away like just like they don't want to do that and i'm just like well i'm not gonna talk fucking sports scores with you so i mean like you know let's dish dish out the dirt <laughs> as long as you're not one of those people that you know you just meet them and like it happens to me all the time like it'll be uh, just a customer at work or just a friend of a friend or something and they'll tell you the whole fucking life story like just straight away it's like 
dude, like, you'd be talking for 15 minutes. I don't need to know about all your relationships. You know, it's like, <laughs> I just met you, dude. It's like, this is really weird. Like, come on, you know? I hate that shit. My thing is I want to entertain people. Yeah. So even though, like, whenever I talk to new people sometimes, I, I go into, like, entertainment mode. So I'll get people who will say things just like, oh, like, do you ever do, like, stand-up comedy? Like, but but I but I would never do it. I would be way too nervous and, and to do that. Mm-hmm. But I like doing it in a one-on-one setting. So, like, if I meet people, mm-hmm. it's in a party situation. I do like to move away and focus on one or two people at a time. Like, if I'm in a party, like, I don't really like to talk to the group, but I'll have, like, nice conversations with people, like, you know, if I can segment them away. And I just want to entertain them. I want to make them laugh. So I never fucking tell people sob stories about my life because I don't want to... I want, I want, I want someone who walks away from meeting me going, like, hey, that was fun. So I try. So I almost do like like a stand-up routine for like one person. Like I just keep trying like just to entertain them. And it, it's fun for me to do that, but I would never no, because when people do that to me too, and I'm just like, what the fuck? You walk away from a party going like, I feel like it's like, although I don't mind being someone that someone can talk to. Yeah, I like that too. Like if someone has a problem, I do like listening and yeah. I'm not qualified to give any advice. I mean, I've found for whatever reason, a lot of people in this scene seem to have some sort of yeah. something. Uh, whether it's depression or uh, types of anxiety. And so I've had lots of conversations like that with people who like they kind of open up to me about like the stuff they're going on. And I'm starting to think I should have like a psychiatrist on the show. It's funny that I think it's part of having a radio show because I've had the same thing. People just open up to me all the time. But even like I get like random people I don't even know. Like they've just friended me and all of a sudden it's like, whoa, your life story. That's great. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> It's like, uh, what? Are, yeah, you know, I, I just, I've had friends, a lot of friends call me the uh, synthwave shrink. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <Synthetic shrink. laughs> but I'm not qualified for anything either, so. Yeah, I mean, it feels good if I feel like I'm actually helping someone, but but mostly yeah. I can't really give advice more than I can just distract people from their problems. Mm-hmm. So it's like if, if someone messages me and, and they're in like, they're sad or something, like I'll hopefully do what I can to be entertaining for that period of time so they're you know if they're surrounded by a bunch of buzzkills like in their regular life so I don't know I just but I, I understand there's there's some people who are draining but also too it's like if they're there's some people who are sad drunks and those are those people that you just want to punch in the head oh, and go fucking stop drinking like if every time you drink you get sad fucking don't yeah. do it like yeah the logic part of my brain doesn't allow for that sort of activity. It's like, if I do something re- repeatedly and the experience is bad, then my brain just goes, well, stop then. Like, there's no reason to continue doing this. Yeah. Like, if, if... Anyway, you want to play me a song? <laughs> <laughs> uh, sure. Um, Stills has a, a new album out. Well, it came out last month for Valentine's Day, but I haven't had a chance to play any, anything off it yet that I remember. But uh, it's really good. It's uh, He dedicated it to his wife, and it's called For You. Um, it's available at stills.bandcamp.com. Uh, it's got eight awesome uh, love-themed tracks, and the one I want to play off it is Reckless Love. All right, well, this is Reckless Love by Stills. Thank you. 
And that was Stills with the song Reckless Love, an album dedicated to his wife. And that was Marco's second pick of the week. Do you want to dedicate it to his wife as well? Yeah, this is dedicated to Jen uh, Stills' wife. (laughs) (laughs) This whole episode is dedicated to Jen Stills. I don't really know her, so, but yeah, she's probably pretty cool. She's with Chris, so she must be. Wait, is Stills his last name? I just made a joke, but I'm realizing, like, well, if that's his last name, then then technically I just said her actual name. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it's his last name, but uh, look, I (laughs) I don't actually know. But uh, is that a a regular last name? I guess it is a regular last name. I'm just looking on Facebook. There is quite a few Stills, so maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Do you think that uh, there was as much controversy surrounding Stills' uh, Valentine's Day album than there was the Carpenter Brute, uh, the new one? No. No, I doubt it. I doubt it. I think it's hard being a producer these days. Like, fuck all that pressure, man. Seriously, I wouldn't be able to deal with that shit. Um, You know what, though, honestly? I mean, I know people are, like, deleting their Facebooks now, and to me that just seems silly because it's not going... Facebook isn't going anywhere, man. It's just not. You know it's not. Mm -hmm. I do notice today, browsing the feed... There's a lot of stories there that are just designed to make me mad. And I think I'm going to take a break from just the Facebook feed for a while. Like, I'll still use Messenger and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I started to realize, like, wow, like, there's there's stories that are on there that are just... And the problem is, since I'm sort of like a centrist, like, politically... Mm-hmm. I'm annoyed by everything. Uh-huh. So it's not just like, you know, like when you're, if you're on the left, you're annoyed by all the right wing people. Like I'm sort of annoyed by everyone and everything yes. that they post. Just lately, it's, I can't stand it. Like I just every single story that gets posted, I get angry about. And then I start thinking of how would I reply to this? And what would be some funny thing to write? And I'm like, what, why am I doing this? Like, it's a waste of my time. This is a waste of time. And it's like there just to make me mad. So I'm just going to, I think I'm officially starting tomorrow. I'm just going to take a break like i'll still use facebook to post the show and i'll still use the messenger and like comment on anything i'm connected to but i don't i don't know that i can go through the feed anymore man yeah i'm a centrist as well so i know how it is it's a funny position to be in because nobody likes you (laughs) (laughs) well you're not on any side so everyone's like what are you fucking fence sitter you know it's like fuck it's the same thing i used to see with people who'd complain about agnostics yeah. Like, if, if, if you say you're an agnostic, then atheists are mad at you for not going all the way. And then religious people still kind of want to claim you because you're not not denying anything. You know what I mean? It's just like... Yeah, I'm agnostic as well. So yeah, so yeah. It's like, <laughs> we're, we're literally like middle-of-the-road people because I, I say the same thing. Because I'm just like, well, you know, it's just... Obviously, I'm a more scientifically minded dude, but it's it's hard to just say definitively 100% a thing. Yeah. Like I, it's just so hard for me to commit like wholeheartedly to almost any idea because there's always anytime you think there's some good argument or some good exercise technique or diet or you know life life tip or whatever there's always some fucking downside. It's never 100%. And so it's just hard for me to ever commit to ideas like that, really. So, I, uh, yeah, I guess I guess we're just a bunch of fucking fence sitters. But I, but I hear, you, like, I, I should get off Facebook sometimes. It's just I find I'm not too bad. It's just when I get a little bit, when I got a bit of spare time, and you know, I'll get on the feed, and then it's just real addictive. Like you end up staying on for like three hours, and I'm just like, what the fuck am I doing? You know? And then you get into an argument about something. Like I got into an argument about, uh, I mean, it's just the stupidest shit. And I shouldn't even. I should just let it go and whatever. But for yeah. some reason, I feel compelled to say something. I know because because it's designed. It's like I just started looking at some of the stories, and I'm like, these are like <laughs> triggering me to be upset. <laughs> so I'm like, why would I? Why would I do this? It's not the same as 
because obviously I'm I'm an advocate for uh, intelligent discussion of you know different topics and different viewpoints. But I find Facebook isn't the place for that. It's just a place for like, hey, I'm just going to post a meme that's going to make you real mad. And ev- on both sides are doing it. Like all sides are posting memes that make me mad, yeah. either because of stupid generalizations or because of misinterpretations or misrepresentations of arguments. Yeah. And everyone thinks that a meme solves the world. Like I'm just like fucking memes. Like it's just like they just boil everything down, complex fucking world problems, and just like hey, we can sort this out with like one little pithy joke. I'm like, mm-hmm. no, it's so annoying. Like people, it's like they don't understand that things are complicated, and it's not just like. Mm. Huh, Kids say they don't want their rights. <laughs> then they get their rights taken away. Ha, <laughs> stupid kids. I'm like, yeah, what do you know? Fucking people are ironic and have different views that sometimes contradict each other. Thanks, memes. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, I'm all good. I mean, as long as everyone gets along, it's just what really triggers me is when uh, I see someone either being a bully online or... Just being a complete asshole. Someone will give their opinion, and then someone's just a complete asshole. And then for some reason, I feel compelled. For me, the only thing that just makes me really, really mad is uh, any photo of an interracial relationship. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Jesus! <what's... laughs> so I so did not expect you to say that. I'm just like, it took me a, it took me a second to process it. I'm like, what? Did I miss something? <laughs> Oh, Jesus, Andy. Some people do get... I think some people do get upset by that. Have you seen that shit? Were we talking about Action Jackson or what? No, no. Well, well hang on. You're talking about interracial. Well, yeah. yeah I, well, there's some I people who want say, oh, no, you're um, watering down a culture or something. I'm like, Jesus Christ. If you're in love with someone, who gives a fuck, you know? No, I know, I know. It's, 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 it's weird thinking about just what defines culture. Because, yes. you know, I mean, this, this is a really dumb place because we've got to end our segment soon. But, uh, but you know, because I was thinking about that and reading about things like, you know, cultural appropriation and stuff, which which I think is a silly concept. Yeah. But and then so I started I started trying to boil things down to their base mm. thing. It's just like when someone says, oh, you're appropriating culture. It's like, well, well, what is culture? You know what I mean? Yeah. And and, and then when you start thinking about that and then, OK, it was, and then breaking it down further and further. And to me, I just feel like that whole that whole idea. I think it just separates people more than it. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know what it's designed to do. I don't know. I don't know what what accusing people of cultural appropriation is designed to do other than separate people when we should be like yeah. sharing each other's culture especially when it's when it's like clothing that's the weirdest one just like you can't wear yeah. this fucking dress because it you know sweat like wow. what it's clothes like it's it's fabric i mean like what is it really like break it down to its fucking atoms what is it it's nothing well it's funny enough that's what i got into an argument with some interesting character who thinks uh i was kind of a white knight who thinks that uh Dreadlocks are cultural appropriation. And I was just like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. Don't dreadlocks happen naturally if you just don't wash your hair? Yeah. Like, isn't that what, what your hair just does anyways? I mean, I think all cavemen had, uh, in the caveman days, had dreadlocks. <laughs> you know, that was just... I mean, it didn't, it didn't matter if you wanted them or not. They, like you said, it just happens naturally, you know. So it's like, it's as old as time. I mean, come on. To me, that is silly. Like, it's just... Dude, that is if, ridiculous. If, if, if your hair would yeah. do it... Na- what are you doing? You're going to go around policing, like, fucking homeless people on the street because they have fucking dreadlocks? <laughs> and they're not dark enough for you? Like, it, like, just be like, oh, sorry, bum, you're fucking culturally appropriating. Like, uh, dude's a bum. He hasn't washed his hair in fucking a year. Like, that's why he has those. Like the only thing he appropriated was no soap, and it's like it's so it's ridiculous that people would say that. But like a hair, it's a hairstyle. Like yeah. just break it down. It's a fucking hairstyle. It's like ridiculous. It's it's ridiculous to me. And then like what if what if there's competing 
cultures in different parts of the world that had similar hairstyles like how does it work and and what does it really mean to belong to a culture is it blood is it your bloodline i mean like are we going to be like fucking taking injections from people and seeing like what percentage it is and going like yep you're okay to have this hairstyle what happens if you're like an interracial kid like you can only have dreads on one side i mean like how it, it, to me it just yeah it, all, all it does is raise questions like that what do you have to do a dna test I mean, what the fuck? Yeah, exactly. It's just like, let's find out if you're more like your mom or more like your dad, and then we can figure out what haircut you I mean, need. They were bitching about the latest. They were bitching about Bruno Mars because he won all these, whatever those, what are those awards over there? Grammys or whatever the yeah, fuck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they were saying, like, oh, well, he's culturally appropriating because he's not really black or something. I think he's Cuban and something else. I'm like, yeah. oh, my God. It's like, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, don't you have anything better to complain about? No, it's music. I mean, that's the other thing, too, when people talk about that, like, it's it's music. I know the argument with cultural appropriation is to do with if you profit, if you're profiting off someone's culture, but then it still is like, what is culture? And what yeah. makes you a member of the culture, first of all? And then why why do you get credit for something you didn't even do? Like, if you're just, like, some kid going, like, hey, that's cultural appropriation, like, how did how did you contribute to the music scene of this culture exactly? Yeah. Like, what did you do? Like, exactly. did you invent something? Did you did you play an instrument? Did you do anything? I mean, certainly, it should matter just who actually makes the... I don't know. To me, it's frustrating, because I know someone could listen to this conversation and be upset going, like, well, cultural appropriation is a... Look, there is some cases where there's culture, but of course there is. I'm not saying it's not a thing. I mean, there is, there is some cases where, like you said, if you're profiting off certain things and you're not you're not representing it correctly that there is cases i mean i don't have any right in front of me right now but um you know even if you're mocking or um sometimes if you're mocking or putting down a culture um in a certain way i think that can be bad too but as long as you're not being a complete dickhead about it you know i, I just don't think um it's that big an issue but anyway everyone's got their own opinion on it these days right and this is why i can't be on facebook because <laughs> <laughs> i just see stuff like that and then i end up researching topics uh, that I'm not even interested in, you know? Like, I, I, I just... I, I remember going through a phase where I was just sending you, like, every week I was trying to send you something that I knew would upset you. <laughs> so yeah, no, there was, there was a fucking progressive video game blog that <laughs> infuriates me when I read just the headlines of the articles. Like, it just... But then I'm like, what am I complaining about? This is some idiot. Fifteen people have read this dumb article. And why... But it, it, it does make me mad. Because there was that one where it said Mario... Uh, was it? Super, uh, Super Mario oh, promoted toxic weird. masculinity. And, like, when I saw that, my like my brain exploded. I'm just like, what is happening? What is happening? And then I realized I just had to calm down and be like, okay, look. No. No. I, my life would have been happier had I not seen that article. And so I'm just going to try and not see things like that anymore. Because they infuriate me. Anyways, listen. I'm not trying to change the subject. I know I got to go, but uh, I just want to ask you quickly. Well, one more thing I wanted to cover. You, you got to go to Human Music too in in uh, New Jersey, Andy. We're talking about. I know you're just talking previously about going to live events. Man, the lineup to this thing is fucking ridiculous. Have you? I seen don't. It? I don't have a passport. Like I have to. So fill get a-, a fucking passport. <laughs> what the hell? How, I mean, what are you? Like twelve? Get a passport. Come on. I had I had a passport when I was twelve. I traveled all over the world with oh my dad, God, but then I, I haven't I haven't traveled like long distance in like like fucking twenty years or something. It's been a long time. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I I I can't just renew my passport. I have to basically get a new one. So it's gonna take some time. Have you actually seen the lineup? I'm just gonna send it to you just in case you haven't. Yeah. Right? No, I've right seen now, it. And you're gonna look at it right now. Now you're gonna take another look. 
because I don't think you understand. Okay, play me a song first, <laughs> and then we'll talk about the lineup oh, and, and say we'll goodbye. Come back? All right, yeah. all right. Well, you, as you as you know, I'm a very big fan of Night Fox. I've played, uh, I think, a few of his songs before in the show. I've got another one for you. This one's a little bit older, but it's really good. It hits you right in the feels. And this is, uh, it's called City One. All right, cool, man. Well, let's listen to this track. This is City One by Night Fox.
that was Night Fox by City One. That was Marco's third and final pick of the week, and that is a cool song. And before Marco goes, I have to look at the lineup for Human Music 2. Look at this. It's a two-day event. You've got Time Cop 993 headlining Saturday. You've got Free Weights, Protector 101, Neo Slave. Uh, is it Aeon Rings? Eon Rings? Whatever that uh, is. I say Aeon <laughs> Rings, yeah. The Encounter. Aeon Rings. Encounter, Corinne. And you've got, I've got my fellow comrade, Glitbiter, yep. from um, <laughs> Beyond Synth. Mm. Then there's, on Sunday, there's FM Attack. I'm so excited for that. Makeup of Vanity Set. Uh, some of these names I don't even know. I don't even know who Miss Kitty is, but I'm sure... Sh- Mr. Kitty? Uh, yeah. But I'm sure, I'm sure he or she's pretty good. And then you got Arcade High, Teal, The Rain Within, Tokyo Rose, Shredder 1984, Face I Man, this is just going to be epic, so... If I went to this thing, there's no way I could go without also bringing all of my equipment, because, like, that's just too crazy to not film, you know? Hmm. I mean, like, inter- interviews with everybody, and so, like, that weekend would just turn out to be, like, a lot of work for me. Because, like, because <laughs> if I go, I've got to bring my cameras, I've got to bring I my... I help out. I'll yeah, that's be true. like your cameraman behind the scenes with Marco Marek. Yeah. <laughs> when is this? It is on uh, the Memorial Day weekend, which is uh, Saturday, May 26th. No, I can't. And Sunday, May 27th. I can't do oh, it. What? I can't What's do it. What's your excuse? There's no way I can get a fucking passport that quick. Yeah, you can. No, because, okay. If, if you apply for it right now, I bet you you would get it. No, the problem is I can't apply for it without applying for an. Uh, I need another document before I can get the passport. Excuses, this is boring. This is, um, it's not an excuse it's just like i got it's 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 tough fine i'm coming to you then i'll come all the way to you and visit you then fine whatever man so this is what this is the shit i have to deal with (laughs) i'll come to your house and i'll cook you a fucking steak no worries that sounds great man (laughs) and on that note uh we got to say goodbye so uh sorry i got a bit heated there thanks for chatting with me this week yeah it's been good you're right i should Uh, like but like last year i wanted to surprise like i wanted to get a passport secretly and then go without telling anyone I was going like for fun and just like sneak up on people when I was there that would be really cool but um, it's it turned out that I couldn't get a passport without getting a new birth certificate because I have this old style birth certificate that no. they've told me now is invalid and they're like well these old style ones that were made in the 80s like they're they're invalid now and I'm like yeah but it's my birth certificate like, what do you mean? Like, it, it, like <laughs> you're invalid. Yeah, no, that's the thing. Like, it's like, because I, I went to renew uh, my license one time and they said, you know, we don't accept these. I'm like, well, that's what you gave me when I was born. What do you mean you don't accept it? Like, there's no other one. This is the one you told me to keep safe. Remember? <laughs> like, anyway. Uh, that's ridiculous. Listen, you have a lovely week. You too. And we'll, uh, we'll talk. Uh, we'll talk next time. All right. Thanks, everyone. Keep it real and keep it 80s. <laughs> All right, and that was Keeping It 80s with Marco Merrick. It's always fun chatting with him, and uh, I think he'll he'll be here next week, too. It's just I didn't want to go like a month. Well, whatever. I already explained myself. Uh, so how about this? Let's listen to another track, and then we will go and chat with Das Mortal. So here is a track. Uh, this is... Dangerous City with a little tune called Latrodectus.
that was Latrodectus. It's a crazy word by Dangerous City, and that's a cool track. And of course, that was brought to you by Zencaster uh, for podcasters. Zencaster is software that you can use if you have a podcast. Uh, it's web-based. It records the audio from everyone's individual computers and then sends you all the files in uh, good quality. Uh, it's a really cool way to record podcasts, and I suggest you check it out at zencastr.com. And if you use the promo code Beyond Synth, you can get 20% off. And uh, it's useful. I use Zencaster for this show, so you should uh, give it a try, man. It's uh, It's a lot of fun. And of course, uh, let's not forget Retro Revolutions, Jared, uh, he runs a YouTube page where he mods electronics and makes cool things out of them, specifically at the moment video game stuff. So like he'll mod old consoles and do neat things with them and he's making all these custom builds right now for people. And you should check it out because it's cool. He's been a great sponsor for Beyond Synth and it would... It'd be nice if you checked out his page. So there's Retro Revolutions on YouTube. Uh, you can also check him out on Twitter at Retro Faith Games and on Instagram at Retro underscore Revolutions. Uh, it's cool stuff. So go check it out. And on that note, let's go talk to Das Mortal. <laughs> All right, and I am here with Das Mortal. Hey, what's up? <laughs> so, how do you say your name? I think Das Mortal is the normal way to pronounce it, but I, I am aware I put like a humlaut on the O, but it's just to make it look like Motorhead more than anything. No, no, I meant like your actual name, like is like Cristobal. Uh, I mean, it's a Spanish name, uh, so uh, it's pronounced Cristobal. Cristobal. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Cristobal is like the name of some sort of Lothario, you know, like long wavy <laughs> hair who's always surrounded by like fawning women. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's just basically it's a it's the Spanish version of uh, Christopher. So it's not that hot, actually. But it sounds so cool, man. In a Spanish speaking country is a boring ass name. But, you know, I think everybody finds stuff from outside kind of exotic. <laughs> so... I get it. <laughs> Cristobal is like John Smith over there. Or, or like Dick, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but no, no, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a common name. It's a common name in uh, English speaking language uh, countries. Cristobal. <laughs> yeah. All right. I just like saying it. That's all. It's, it's, it seems cool. <laughs> now I've, I've built up a whole story about you in my head, you see, because now I... I, I want to make sure that you're running around with, like, some sort of frilly shirt, but you wear it open, <laughs> you know, so that we can see your chest. And then you run around, and then there's always, like, a lady around your arm, and she's, like, wearing one of them little dresses with, like, a red bow. Yeah, so basically, like, the cover of one of those, like, yep. uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, Fabio, I guess. He used yeah, you to know be what I'm a talking lot about. Of the, uh, covers. Yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. 
yeah, I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. Speaking of that, there there was a we never did it, but we were thinking of making a music video for a song from the album called uh, "Bedtime Intimacy," and the whole concept was basically that you know have a a guy that looks like Fabio and you know like riding on a horse uh, on the sea. And you, you know, like have this chick, like very, very cliche, like soft porn book for woman mm -hmm. kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> Those are all I read. Yeah, well, <laughs> I hope you enjoy them. Yeah, they're all right. I mean, if you do, I'm fine with that. <laughs> So whereabouts uh, you are you in Montreal, right? Yeah, I'm in I'm in Montreal. Have you uh, been there your whole life? Uh, yeah, most most of it. You know, uh, I've been here for about 27 years. So yeah, I came here like very 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 young, uh, but I love it. I've always loved uh, Montreal a lot. So when did you start uh, making the the tunes? I would say maybe seriously or maybe like more professionally because I still don't think I make music very professionally but like let's say more seriously like in the early 2000s like 2001 or two mm -hmm. 18 years ago I was very young then I was still like 15 years old or something like that mm -hmm. but um you know like I, I was already like going to pawn shops trying to get drum machines trying to find cheap synthesizers and stuff like that And I also had my first computer. So I was doing a lot of music on a um, software called Boz, which still exists today, which is a free software that is very old school, that looks a lot like the trackers that you do music on when you're on a, let's say, like Atari computer or a Commodore 64 computer. Right. So that's about when I started. And also when I was around that age, I think when I was around like, 14 or 13 i really had like a radio show for the university of montreal they have a radio station okay and i was already hosting like a electronic music radio show for them oh cool that's when i started like making music but i was a fan of electronic music i think i started listening to electronic music around like and i mean like seriously listening to it when i was about like seven or eight mm -hmm. that's been pretty much my my whole life i would say <laughs> i mean so you started this journey like a long time ago and i imagine it's you know changed a lot Lot, but what is uh, your setup now? It's minimalistic. I only have like one laptop and a MIDI keyboard and a software. And that's pretty much well, what I use right now. Like I love gear. I really do love gear. I grew up in the era when, like I said, like going to pawn shops, trying to find gear was really fun and everything. Mm. But unless like you have your own studio or something like that, uh, having all that connected and working properly has always been an asshole. And, you know, just like booting up the recording software and making music on VSTs does pretty much the same thing and it's easier to just like keep track of all the music you do than like trying to keep track all the, the synth patches you do and all the rhythms you do on the drum machines. So yeah, right now I'm just using a laptop and a software, basically. <laughs> that's my setup right now. Well, that's cool, man. Then you can like take your office on the go. Uh, Yeah, but I mean like I'm, I'm not really good at like I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you. Like I'm, I'm not that kind of artist that always does music like constantly is making music uh, it comes like in waves sort of maybe a month uh like a whole month i'll be like oh yeah i'm gonna do beats 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 and constantly do beats and then after that i'm just gonna be lazy and play video games for the next two months you know uh, <laughs> <laughs> and i mean I, i mean i also have like a let's say like a regular 
job, you know, like trying to get everything fit. It's kind of hard. Like, and I'm not really very big in being scheduled into making music. Sure, sure. I just do it when when it kind of feels right. That's when I basically will do probably the best music. I'm not that uh, that much of a freak on making music, actually. It just, it just happens when it happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it doesn't matter, man. It's as long as fucking cool music comes out. Let's listen to some. So we'll get started here and listen to some Das Mortal. I just like to say that. The new album is great, so I'm probably going to play just a bunch of tracks from that. And uh, I always like your song titles. <laughs> just like <laughs> They're very sexual. Uh, but this one, <laughs> this one's sort of milder. But this is a this is a cool track that I dug. This is "Backseat Love Affair" by Das Mortal.
And that was Das Mortal with the track Backseat Love Affair. And I am here with Das Mortal right now, Cristobal. Hey, what's up? Hey, man. Just, uh, <laughs> just You're just hanging out in Montreal. My brother lives in Montreal. Oh, yeah. Yes, I, I do remember hearing about it, I think, when you were doing the podcast with uh, Le Matos, I think. <laughs> I'm quite aware. Yeah, I got to make a trip out there sometime and try and uh, meet up with everybody somehow. That would be cool. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, like, it's not a big synth scene here in Montreal but I mean the very few that we are we will be probably more than happy to take you around and uh, you know just show you the city as long as there's a couch to sleep on oh definitely yeah (laughs) yeah For sure. <laughs> so talk to me about this album then. It's got naked ladies on the cover. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I ask the hard-hitting questions about people's well, music. Well, you know, like maybe going back to the whole like Fabio book covers and stuff. Like I'm, I'm, I've always been really, really um, interested like in erotic stuff. That's why like a lot of the, the name for the tracks on the album and also the artwork is always very erotic. Like not trying to be porn or anything like that it's more like trying to have like let's say either nudity or sensuality basically because i mean i mean i i dig a lot of that even like in fashion and all that stuff i really find that type of stuff very pretty and interesting to look at or paintings and all that and all that kind of stuff yeah yeah yeah. all the music i do has kind of that vibe too the music in the album is very like for somebody who's really expecting let's say a synthwave i think it's always kind of a surprise when they realize everything in there's not like synthwave sure it has a lot of stuff i mean that's normal because i try to represent with my releases as much music as i can i mean all the type of music i can do or i enjoy doing mostly or listening to because i don't want to like corner myself into something like an example it's if you listen to an artist let's say like any type of artist that you really enjoy they do like an amazing let's say 70s inspired rock album they do like a second album and that second album is like disco music it's kind of hard i think for a fan trying to like keep up with them Mm -hmm. because like the fan is always kind of expecting something uh, like a sound that they really dig the artist for yeah yeah, and then when they get like another release and that's like a a completely different direction and it doesn't mean it's bad even even i do it like sometimes when i listen an album from somebody a good example would be discovery from daft punk i remember the first time i listened to it back in the day i was like man this is not the daft punk i was expecting to have Mm. so i was kind of like turned off by it for a while and you know like eventually like it got into me and i listened more to it and then i really started like understanding Understanding what they were trying to do sure but my way of working that around is uh, i try to include all that kind of different stuff i do enjoy so the day like i release a very disco album or a very techno album people won't be surprised by it because they already kind of heard a lot of it in previous releases yeah no that makes sense i mean that's the way the way, the way i work and also like I, I just really enjoy listening to albums that just have so much to offer in general just not one sound especially like a lot of the synthwave stuff right now that gets released like the stuff that is done by like younger people a lot of the time is very 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 repetitive and i'm not saying that to be mean to them or anything because it's it's still good music it's just that you know listening to 50 minutes of a baseline doing the second track is the same thing just slower and then you get to the third track and it's again the same thing but this time it's faster and a lot of the time even sometimes it's on the same key 
like they go as far sometimes as doing uh, doing it on the same key. There's something really good in here, but it's hard to get attached to the album or EP as a whole when everything is always the same. So I try to not fall too much into that kind of area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I mean, I think every time I have people on on the show, they're always very hesitant to speak ill of generic synthwave but uh i mean the topic comes up a lot because there is a lot of tracks and i mean i get sent that kind of stuff all the time where it's like synthwave music that was sort of made by a robot <laughs> where you know they use the same samples they start the track with the sound of a cassette going in a machine and pressing play yeah and it's not to say that that's a bad trope because like there are a lot of my favorite songs you know like <laughs> in this genre start that way because it you know conjures the sound of a of a, a cassette playing and that's part of the the nostalgic element of the music but when you've heard it at the beginning of like you know a hundred different songs for me anyways i get kind of bored of patterns and so sometimes people send me music and i'm like this is fine but i don't hear like the artist's doing something you know like where i can actually tell that they cared about making a, a track yeah and sometimes with the generic stuff i just don't get the impression that the person cared but then at the same time i have to sit there and think well you know this maybe this person is not really a musician and it's their first song and mm -hmm. uh you know they watched a tutorial and they're just trying to emulate something to find you know their own their own sound i guess the thing that i resent is that then they think they they send it to me and that i would play it yeah I, I, have, I have enough shame about my own work <laughs> about anything that i do where i would never approach somebody and and be like hey this is good enough to share with the world you know i, I would be like maybe i'm not done yet or maybe this this is a little test and i'll i'll keep it to myself and keep working and getting better at what i do so sometimes when people send me like half-baked songs i sort of get annoyed because i'm like why would i play that like have you not listened to the show like a lot of the music i play like sounds really good and, and then like i'll get sent this just really boring lifeless track and just i, I, I don't anyway whatever But sometimes people hear their own music differently, I guess. Well, you know, like we're also in a very special era in like music making. When I started making music, like I said, you know, like you really had to like go buy gear that was very expensive and, you know, it was, it was hard. And nowadays, anybody can do what I'm doing, having a computer, have a software, music making software and, and do something. And that's really amazing being able to do that right now yeah 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 it's really 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 amazing i mean like i think i've never done as much music as i've been doing it right now and also you have all those platforms like bandcamp you know like there's no denial that bandcamp helped a lot the synthwave scene in general but at the same time with all those tools it becomes like really hard to like browse through everything that gets done and released every single day you know and sometimes like he you start hearing so many of the same things that when something really good comes in sometimes you you just you're kind of numb you know like <laughs> you don't even realize you're listening to something good because you've been listening to so much of the the same stuff like you say people trying to emulate a lot which is okay especially when you're starting and learning of how things work and even myself you know sometimes i do tracks and i'm like did i just like repeat exactly what i did like a session ago or did i really do like a new song or am i even just repeating like a melody that is in my back of my head that 
you know, I have already heard from somebody else. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't actually thought about that whole like feeling numb thing, but uh, it's sort of true because I, I listen to a lot of stuff and I get sent a lot of stuff every month. And sometimes I end up um, just putting all these songs in like a big playlist. And then when I'm doing something else, I'll put the playlist on and I'll put it on random. And, and lately that's been how I've been finding the tracks that I play on the show. Mm-hmm. Because when it's sent to me and I'm skipping through tracks and I'm trying to listen to it, you know, as quickly as I can, sometimes it just hits me like a wall of sound and it's hard for me to distinguish, like you say, like, you know, the good stuff when you're just hearing so much just sound. And then later on, I, I put in a playlist and then I'll be walking around and then just listen and, then I'll, and a random song will just hit me and I'm like, oh, fuck, this is great. And then like I, I play it on the show and that's how I've sort of um, gone about doing it. But uh, listen, we should listen to some more music here. So speaking of sensual, <laughs> we got a track here called Dark Alley Intercourse. And this was another one that I dug and we're going to uh, listen to it right now, man. This is Dark Alley Intercourse by Das Mortal. the dark 
And that was Das Mortal with the track Dark Alley Intercourse. And I'm here with Das Mortal right now, Cristobal. Yep, that's me. Who is, uh, yeah, hanging around. What'd you have for dinner? Did you have a good supper? Uh, I just ate some soup. Uh, nothing really fancy. <laughs> <laughs> Living the dream. Oh uh, yeah, I am. I am. That's the that's the American dream, I believe. Lipton soups. We can have our own Canadian dream, I suppose. But I don't know what that would be. You know, I guess anything that has to do with maple syrup, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not I'm not too keen on maple to be honest with you. Oh, me neither. Me neither. I hate it so much also when it's like kind of mixed with savory food, I guess it's called, you know, like mm-hmm. with steak. Yeah, yeah. Or sausages and all that stuff. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of uh, maple syrup, but it's a big staple of Canada. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) See, a lot of people are learning today. That's good. (laughs) So you said before, you you know, you're playing... uh you do your music for a while and then you take a break and then play some games. So what uh, what are you uh, playing? Before Christmas, I got myself a Switch. Okay. A Nintendo Switch. So I've been playing a lot of uh, Splatoon. How is that game? I had like the Wii U version of it. Yeah. And I really didn't like the Wii U version of it. And I'm thinking it's just because of the big Wii U controller that you always had to help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And since I got like the Switch version, I really do enjoy it. But, you know, it's it's like any other online shooter game. After a while, it kind of gets repetitive. But it's, mm. it's pretty cool that they always kind of do updates, like very, very regularly to it. And it's always like new guns for the most part. And uh, it's always fun trying the, all the new guns and all that kind of stuff. I do have a Switch. Yeah. And I know like Splatoon is like one of their kind of more like their Nintendo's newer franchises. Like I mostly am, I'm a Zelda Mario Metroid guy. Like that's my yep. <laughs> Nintendo stuff that I enjoy. Yeah. Which I guess is all the main ones. I don't know why I bothered saying that. But what is the point of Splatoon? Are you supposed to shoot people or are you painting the level? Like, what? I don't think I've ever understood that game. I mean, the main mode is called Turf War. And that mode is the one where you just have to sh- paint the level your color. I think it's like three minutes. So in three, you have three minutes to basically paint as much of the level your team color. And inside those three minutes, you can still like kill people and everything. So they, they have less time to paint uh, the level. And uh, like the other modes, there's like uh, the kind of zone type of game where you kind of have to uh, control a specific zone with your paint. And I think that's pretty much it. There's also another one that I don't play much, but it's... Like the big thing, more than killing people, it's just about painting the level your own color. And I think that's kind of fun. It's kind of a fun twist to the regular everyday uh, first person shooter or third person shooter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think that's what I, what I dig about it. And I was also getting tired of the Call of Duties and stuff, mm-hmm. the, the like very greedy type of uh, shooter yeah I just wanted something light that you wouldn't have like a 15 year old kid calling you like uh, a fucking cunt every (laughs) (laughs) I mean like hey man everyone (laughs) online is always respectful I don't know Uh, what you're talking about uh, I mean you you clearly haven't played Counter-Strike but uh, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah I mean like I was just you know like uh, trying to find something that was a bit more uh, let's say uh, 
lighter. I think also because Switch right now doesn't have any sort of like voice over chat type of thing, so you don't hear yeah. people blabbing all the all the time. Well, that's perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's like no taunts. You know, there's games where you can actually, I don't know, like teabag or whatever, all that kind of stuff to like make your opponents feel like bad. So there's mm-hmm. nothing of that in that game. So it's kind of fun for that aspect. So that's what game I've been playing a lot. There's another one called Awesome Knots. I play to death. I play it about like an hour every day, I think, like almost religiously, which is sort of a, a MOBA. Let's say like a League of Legends or Dota. Okay. But instead of being the old school top-down view, it's like a 2D uh, side scroller instead. That's Awesome Knots. Yeah, yeah, and you, you can play. I play with a controller the same way. Let's say you're you you you'll play. Let's say like a Super Mario game. Right. The gameplay is the same gameplay you would have in a mobile game like Smite or Dota or League of Legends and all that kind of games. But uh, it's a side scroller type of view, which I really do enjoy. And again, it's very very light you know the gameplay is very light the characters are they all look like uh, saturday morning cartoon characters yeah yeah so i really do enjoy that that's as much as i can play right now in regards of like my free time yeah man well if you're saying that you had a Wii, then i uh we you i mean um <laughs> then i imagine you and i were like the only two people oh uh, yeah right like oh uh, yeah i mean and you know what's worse now they're re-releasing like all the good games that were on wii u and that were like exclusive to the wii u they're re-releasing them to the switch so like there is almost no incentive anymore to own like a wii u well the wii u was it was weird like i didn't hate that system and we still have ours but i just i took it to um my wife's parents house my in-laws yes and it's basically there so when my son goes and needs to play games like there's a (laughs) system there and he can watch youtube on it and netflix and stuff yeah I mean, now I, I like it just because it's so bulky and toy-like. I mean, that they can drop it all over the place, and I don't give a shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's only one game I can think of, because I thought Mario Maker was awesome. Yeah. And that's the only one <laughs> where I think it needs to be on the Wii U, because you would use the touchscreen, but you would also look up at the TV and see what you were doing. Yeah. Whereas, if you were going to do it on the Switch, you, you're only either in handheld mode or in screen mode. Now, mind you... There's no reason why you can't do Mario Maker just with a controller. Yep. It didn't need to be a touch game. Yep. And I'm waiting for them to port that one to the Switch because that that was the best Wii U game. I'm sure they're going to do it. I mean, they ported it to the 3DS. And yes, like 3DS has two screens. Fine. But if it's on the 3DS, I see no reason why they wouldn't port it to the Switch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or at least do like Mario Maker 2 and try to... Uh, find a way to do the workaround of it with the screen being on in your hands and having like another screen which was your tv to make the levels i'm sure they'll find like something really simple to work around that i mean they don't even need to like to be honest i just figure you you can play that game with a controller yeah. it was cool to you know use the pen to draw in the things and stuff but i mean i've played like you know sim city and games like that with a controller and so yeah. i don't see any reason why you couldn't do it i'm sure 100 percent they're gonna do it and when they'll do it you'll be like well there's no really more use for my wii u you know i mean at least that's what i'm i'm thinking right now but you know what yeah. a lot of old systems are like that i've started to think about that 
I think the N64, I think, is like the last system that was... It's its own thing because now there's so many HD remasters of games, mm-hmm. backwards compatibility yeah. with with new consoles. Like, what's the point of a PlayStation 3? The PlayStation 4 does everything a PlayStation 3 does. All the good games have already been like HD remastered and put on the PlayStation 4 or you can get them digitally, right? So... The N64, I think, to me, honestly, is like the last system that... Because with the emulation of N64 games still isn't perfect, there is still like, yeah, you can only play these little cartridges on an N64. Like, that's it. But really, any good PlayStation 1 game you can probably buy digitally on a new PlayStation system. Xbox, the Xbox One is is backwards compatible with Xbox 360. So really, consoles aren't the same as they used to be in terms of where they were just this standalone thing and that you could only play these games on those systems. And now it just isn't that way. And so, yeah, the Wii U is is, uh, will be a completely obsolete system once um, Mario Maker's on the Switch. But I mean, I feel like the PlayStation 3 is an obsolete system. Like, there's, there's no need for it, really. Well, I mean, like... I don't well I don't know I feel like the when you know the library of PlayStation 3 is probably 20 times bigger than what Wii U was but those games will all eventually like you will be able to play them on a PlayStation 4 right uh well I don't know like I don't own a PlayStation 4 but the reason I didn't buy one it's because most of the games from PlayStation 3 didn't exist on PlayStation 4 at least from the time I was looking for buying a PlayStation 4 except for the very big ones and those were mostly remasters Uncharted or Last of Us all those yes big AAA games but you know like the the smaller games that aren't AAA and they're are really fun too at least you still have that system to play them and uh i feel wii u i think the main problem with you is just the library it just had such a small library of games to begin with hey man you're just being greedy you think you need more than six games on a library come on ah, greedy you're greedy well you know once you once you go to steam it's kind of hard seeing four games anymore yeah yeah like yeah. you always want to get that new freaking game oh what what is this this game is one buck all right i don't care what it is i'm gonna buy it yeah i think steam <laughs> sort of spoils people for all uh oh yeah it does. All, even because i i've always been a console guy yeah. and i i mean i still am but whenever i look at the steam library i'm like yeah it's pretty cool and they have wicked sales i mean playstation (laughs) the playstation store now has some pretty decent sales nintendos are always terrible like nintendo just they charge more for their things they charge tax playstation store doesn't charge tax when you do online purchases sometimes there's you know where a game comes out on the switch and on the ps4 and i'm like oh the switch one's gonna be more money because they're the same price but the switch will charge me tax yeah (laughs) <laughs> and as I'm saying all this, I just realized that uh, one of my favorite games from the PlayStation 3, uh, 3D Dot Heroes, has not been ported to the PlayStation 4. So maybe my own point is invalid. Uh, listen, we got to listen to some music, though, man, because yeah, uh, <laughs> we've been we've been talking for too long. Here's a track. So I asked you before we were talking about uh, some tracks that you uh, you dig that you've made or or. Or you were you were apprehensive to say that you like your own music. <laughs> I had to pry these out of you, but uh, anyway, this is a cool track, and we're going to listen to it now. This is uh, "I Just Want to Hold You" by Das Mortal. Thanks, you like. 
was Das Mortal with the track I Just Want to Hold You. And I'm here with Das Mortal right now, Cristobal. And you made this track for a compilation? Yeah, exactly. For for the label? What What is the label? I don't think I even know the label. The label is called the Lisbon Lux Records. I think it was made specifically for a specific band, which is called The Cooler. And they needed a label probably to have all those, um, I think they're called grants, you know, like grants from the government and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think they created the label for that i can't say for sure so that's like my hypothesis about it yeah. but uh, after a while they started signing new people you know because they had now this 
company, so they might as well like use it for something else than just one band.、Mm. And I think it was about like the third or fourth signed artist in there. I really do enjoy being with them. Like they're very old school in the way they approach the whole managing aspect of it. Because you know now nowadays, just to begin with, like. The music industry is not what it was 20 years ago at all. So you know, finding labels that are willing to help you, like, are gonna do like the the the, the paperwork for you to be able to pay to make、uh, music videos, do tours, or have studio time to prepare live shows and all that kind of stuff. It doesn't really exist a lot anymore because there's a lot of those net labels. There's a million net labels, you know. And the only thing、yeah. they do is that they're like, "Oh, you make great, great music, amazing music.、Uh, we want to sign you." And the only thing they end up doing is basically just posting a Facebook ad for you, basically just saying, "Hey, we signed this artist, and this is his new album or his new EP." That will probably be as much as they will do because you know they don't necessarily ha- know how to do. Better or don't have resources to do better, you know. Like I was approached by a bunch of those type of labels in the past, and I never really was interested because、mm-hmm. I always felt I could do a lot of their work better. And I'm not saying that to brag. Yes, but it's like when I started doing music more seriously, and then getting known and all that kind of stuff. I kind of started to do a lot of stuff myself, like being very、uh, do-it-yourself kind of thing, doing my own artwork, preparing my own tours, and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I was kind of looking for somebody who could do all everything that I was already doing myself, which was I, I thought a lot. Yeah, I tell people not to because sometimes people will talk to me about they're like, oh, I'm looking for a label, and can you suggest any good labels? And I mean, the past few years now, I've just been telling people you don't need one. For the most part, a lot of these labels, it's just. Another dude who is just taking a percentage of your sales and doing exactly like you just said, like exactly what you could do, exactly right.、Yeah. These these aren't like real labels, you know, like a label that's going to be like, all right, well, we'll we'll pay for the promotional tour,、yeah. and、uh, you know, we'll subsidize a music video. I mean, like they're not doing that. So certain labels, okay, if they've been on the scene for a long time and people respect them because they output, you know, quality music. Then you can say, okay, maybe it's worthwhile having you know one of my albums with this label because it'll get associated, you know,、yeah. whatever. I mean, there it, that does make sense if the label has a lot of followers and stuff, but it's not the same. I think people think like it's the same thing as just like oh, if you like signed to Sony or something, and it's like no, no, it's just it's just another dude, like yeah. And, and I'm saying that as a person who's friends with. Many people who run labels. Yeah, <laughs> like my issue though is I I know a lot of people who have had bad experiences. Yeah, pretty much everybody, and I'm not going to name labels, but I don't think there's a single label that's come out unscathed with some sort of behind the scenes drama of some kind. Even some that like I wasn't expecting because I was like. Oh, this label, like this, this is a solid label, you know. <laughs> and then eventually, there's some artist who goes like, actually, you know,、uh, you know. And then they'll tell me some story about some bad stuff that happened. And yeah, because the thing is, like, what people don't realize, if the label is just like one dude, and there's lots of stuff they can do, but then you know they're going to have their own passions too. Sometimes labels are run by people who are already artists, and so you know their heart might always be in you know their project first,、mm-hmm. or they might just prefer other artists on the label. 
table and maybe yours might not get the priority that you think it deserves. Um, there's all sorts of things, little things that can cause friction between an artist and a label. And so I just figure like when you're small time, just fucking do it yourself. Yeah. Like, honestly, I mean, like, unless like you, you, you're very big or anything, I mean, there's not much they can do more than you can do yourself if you know what you're doing. You know, if you're aware of like what public you want to you want your music to be listened by and all that kind of stuff especially now again like with the internet age like it's so easy to just find the right people to by yourself like without the need of another person find the right people to promote yourself another thing i've been noticing lately and now i'm speaking directly just to artists who <laughs> listen to this show i think sometimes people are in a little yeah. like a bit of a rush to promote themselves before they have something to promote yeah definitely i see a lot of that yeah like people who are less like they're looking for a label and they don't even have an album or or, or they've released like two songs and then they're concerned about their brand <laughs> and to me i'm just sort of like dude like just you know chill out and make music right i mean you i, I get that having a brand is important and you know understanding what it is that you do but i feel like if you've only made like two songs maybe you don't even really know what you do yet yeah. And maybe it's not time to be worried about promotion. Like, because that happens to me a lot where people will send me stuff. They send me like promotion for something that isn't even out yet or something, you know? Like, I'll just get like a an email with like a PDF or something. And I'm like, dude, I play music on my show. If you don't have music, I got nothing to do with this, right? Like, that's what I do. Mm-hmm. I think people are very concerned about like coming up with a logo and a, and a name. And then like the music comes afterwards. Yeah. And I always find that a little funny because I think it's backwards. Well, you know, I think uh, we live in a in an age right now where you know image is so much. I'm not. It's not everything. Definitely not everything. But you get bun- bombarded by images that just look cool and everything and everybody wants to like capitalize on that a lot you know like at the end of the day like you say it's just about the music you know uh, especially like in synth wave stuff there's so much like people who really try to get that vhs look try to get all those like use from all those videos they've seen and all those flyers that they find really cool or all the logos from other artists But like in the end of the day, like none of that matter if what you're making or the music you're making isn't interesting, you know, Mm -hmm. like you said, that's the most important thing to do. But we do live in a in an age almost where people are very visual, you know, like with Instagrams and all that kind of stuff. People are just visual. And if they find something that visually grabs their interest, then they'll be like, oh, Maybe I should, like, listen to this. And unfortunately, a lot of the time, you'll be like, eh, 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 you're cringing a little. And again, not saying that to be mean to anybody in specific or at all. It's just that I think you're right. You know, people need to work a lot more on on the foundation of what they're doing, which is the music. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what matters. If you consider yourself a musician, I imagine there should be some music to... (laughs) To back that up, I mean, I'm a very simple man, though, you see, Cristobal, so <laughs> I don't, uh, <laughs> I just like, Cristobal! Um, listen, I want to listen to some more music here, so this was, a, this was a track that I dug, this one's called The Curse, and we're going to listen to this right now, this is The Curse, ah, by Das Mortal.
And that was Das Mortal with the track The Curse. And I'm here right now with Das Mortal, Cristobal. <laughs> Cristobal! And I dug that one. That track's got some, uh, some disco-y stuff going on, which I dig. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> this is, has nothing to do with anything, but because uh, the first time I heard about you was when I was talking to uh, Dan Terminus. All right. Shit. Was that the first time I talked to him? <laughs> it might have been, which means th- we're talking years and years ago now. This is probably like four years ago or oh, something. Because <laughs> uh, he mentioned when he was doing a show and he's like, and I did a show with Das Mortal. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, who's Das Mortal? And so so how did you hook up with them originally? Because I know you've been on the bill for some uh, some cool people. Like, were you in Europe? No, not at all. You know, like we were talking about the label earlier and mm. my manager who runs the label, he was like a, a childhood friend of a carpenter brute i mean i had no idea of that and he had no idea of that like he wasn't aware that i think carpenter brute was carpenter brute okay at that point <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you know like he was to me he's just some guy with a beard exactly he's just it's just my childhood friend and he had another childhood friend there were like a trio which is um called sebastian which is re- known as resnick and uh resnick uh, is the the booker for a lot of artists in Europe when they do tour. So he went, okay. to say, hey, dude, yeah, we have this new guy. Is Das Mortal. He's into a lot of techno. He has a lot of some synthwave stuff. Do you have anybody you think you could propose to maybe tour together with? And he's like, oh, yeah, well, uh, I just got in touch with this kid called Perturbator and he'll be doing his first tour ever. He'll be doing his first lives and stuff. So maybe... Maybe we can do something with Das Mortal. And that's what kind of happened. I just started touring with uh, Perturbator and then eventually met Dan Terminus, met Carpenter Boot and Tommy86 too as well. So how, how were those experiences? Uh, they were awesome. I, I toured before and prior to that with the, the label and just touring with other people was like so much better. Like everything was always organized. We were always having fun basically, which is something that, mm-hmm. you know, you can always say about touring a lot because, you you know, at some point you will end up in a crummy room or you'll have like a really bad date somewhere and it destroys the whole day or anything for you. And every time I toured with mm-hmm. those guys, I mean, it's always been like a pleasure. And, you know, like uh, you spoke with Dan Terminus and Dan Terminus is he's so funny. He's like so fucking funny. And we have the same kind of humor. We, we get along so well. And like, I can't wait to like tour with him again. So yeah, I mean, uh, it's 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 been really fun. I mean, we did some crazy dates. We did the Eastern Europe. That was crazy. We went to Russia, and I mean, you know, going through there was really really weird. We had to deal with airports and all that kind of stuff. Who who all was on that tour? Uh, it was me, uh, Nantominus, Tommy eighty six. And Resnick. How was that experience? Because I know... I'm not sure if I talked to Dan about that one specifically. I remember I did an episode with with uh, Terminus and Ghost yeah. where they were talking about the Perturbator tour they did where they went to... I think... Did they go to Ukraine? Yeah, so I think they... Yeah. Yeah, they went to some... Yeah, and they had problems in the border. And yeah, I wasn't there. Okay, yeah. So this was a different one. Yeah, okay. I mean, I, I was there during that tour, but uh, I came in in the, in the middle of that tour. Okay. It, it was a tour that I had already started and yeah like uh, I think I, I was like two days prior to when I joined them and apparently yeah apparently it went bonkers and to tell you the truth it went bonkers and even after 
once I was with them <laughs> it was it was pretty wicked. A lot of uh, a lot of uh, stuff happened, but you know, like in, we always had fun. So that's good. Yeah. What does uh what is Das Mortal? What does that mean? Uh, absolutely nothing. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely nothing. Uh, I used to have like another artist name. Uh, I still have a bunch of them, but um, for everything that was more electro and dance floor, I used to be called the Electro Boy and. At a point in life, you realize that name is mm. really, really dumb. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's what, what kind of happened with me. That's a point in all of our yeah. lives. <laughs> there comes a time when you realize that Electro Boy is dumb. Exactly. It's like it's like your first email address. You know, like Pussycock88 was maybe not, <laughs> not, not the best email address to have. <laughs> so you make a new one. About a month ago, I retired my first email address which i actually have had since high school mm -hmm. which was my hotmail address and i i retired it <laughs> and now i'm just using uh like the gmail one but uh, i had that thing for such a long time but it wasn't dirty it was just yeah, yeah. my name but like whenever i would show people that like they say what's your email and i'd give them like my hotmail address and they'd be like they'd treat me like i was some fucking grandpa because <laughs> yeah. you know it's like you still have a hotmail address i'm like yeah fuck you <laughs> like but because <laughs> it worked yeah I, i used to have that problem because within my hotmail i always use aliases mm -hmm. i still do like i never really write my real name when i create accounts for things and so uh i have a lot of accounts under andreas lastovsky <laughs> dr andreas lastovsky and so i used to get in trouble a lot when i would like write emails to when i was in school or if i was writing like an important email to someone and they're just like who the hell is dr andreas <laughs> lastovsky and i'm like oh yeah fuck like a, <laughs> We're forgetting to change that thing. But uh, luckily, I never had some fucking filthy thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, like, I was joking. Like, I didn't have that kind of email. But, no, yeah. no, I know, I know, I know, I know. It's just <laughs> but yeah, you know, and, and, and that's what happened with the name, basically. It, just, it, it was just, like, so old and it wasn't fitting anymore. And I wanted a new name to... But, but for the same type of music I was doing, just a new name. I think that's mm. mortal. I don't know how it came by i just wanted i think something that sounded german but uh that wasn't actual sure that's how das mortal came by basically well that's cool <laughs> <laughs> you said that with such a conviction well that's cool i guess <laughs> hey, come on man i'm a great actor come on this is well listen we can probably um we can probably wind this down but i want to listen to another track yeah And then we can have some fucking uh, closing thoughts. It's a very classy show here when you call them fucking closing <laughs> thoughts. But uh, this is a track called Minimal Chainsaw, mm -hmm. which is just a cool sounding title. I like that. And, uh, and we're going to listen to this right now, man. This is Minimal Chainsaw by Das Mortal.
And that was Das Mortal uh, with the track Minimal Chainsaw. And I'm here with Das Mortal right now. Cristobal! We're just uh, sitting around talking about games and stuff. Um, music. <laughs> yeah, sort of, I guess. <laughs> that was the subject at some point, I think. <laughs> yeah, I sort of uh, run a music show where music isn't uh, often talked about. But... Uh, it's all good. So what's on tap for the future, man? Well, right now there's a tour that's coming up very, very soon. It's, it'll be the whole month of uh, April. So it'll be my first uh, US tour. I've been in the US with Perturbator a few times, but uh, it'll be like the first official Das Mortal tour over there. Okay. So we got a bunch of dates, like about 15 dates and all. And I'm really looking forward for that. You know, like in the past years, I've played mostly always the same live show i was really kind of looking forward to do like new tracks or just a new set basically not play the same thing again so i'm really looking forward for that tour because mm-hmm. I'll, I'll get to play new new songs songs from the album that i ha- hadn't played for a long time and um also new tracks that people haven't heard yet that will be probably in future releases and uh see the reaction and i'll be there also with uh, my visual artist like a uh, vj uh, who will be doing all the uh the animations and videos during my sets. Are you going to be just getting local support acts, or yeah, what's the plan? Yeah, basically, uh, local local acts. I don't know all of them because there's, like I said, there's like 15 dates, but yeah, there's a bunch of them, like facehuggers and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, it's going to be amazing. Like I'm, I'm really, really looking forward at doing that. Uh, it'll be a break from my everyday life. Until then, I have to like get in shape because touring, head banging every di- every every night. Mm. I don't know about you, but you know, I- I'm not that young anymore. I look young, but uh, I really feel it. <laughs> I really feel it after one night of uh, head banging and playing live tracks and everything. Dude, I have no equilibrium at all. <laughs> I don't think I could actually head bang at all. If I go on a swing, yeah, <laughs> like you just swing me like once and I'll well, be like, all right, all right we're done. Like I got to get off. <laughs> I've been playing some VR because I got the, the PlayStation VR. Yeah. Is it cool? I mean, I haven't tried that one yet. It's good. Like I, I had sort of a, a little experience. I probably like bored my listeners with the story because <laughs> I, I bought it used from some dude off Kijiji but then the thing was fucked yeah. and then I had to send it to Sony and basically for the price I paid to get it fixed and buy I could have just bought it brand new off Newegg for uh, mm-hmm. the same price and got like two games and anyway <laughs> so I had sort of a, a silly experience but yeah. <laughs> yeah it's good but I found I've had to get used to the VR so at first like the first time I put it on I played for like 10 minutes and kind of felt a little weird I- I'm doing a bit better now but I mostly just play shooting games where you're just kind of standing in one place just shooting at targets yeah. and stuff the games the games where you actually move around still kind of make me feel a little weird yeah like when your character's walking but you're just not moving it's it's a very strange feeling mm-hmm. it's sort of strange but uh, but no it's cool like it works fine it's fun it, like doing the shooting games is fun i enjoy that i'm really looking forward to like when they'll bring games that are like fully fledged games i would say you know like not like uh, demos cuz i feel like a lot of games on vrs yeah right now what the playstation vr reminds me of mm-hmm. is the wii yeah i mean like it's cooler than the wii mm-hmm. but it definitely is like the Wii of VR. So I imagine the Vive and the Oculus probably track a little bit better because you are putting sensors all over your room. Mm-hmm. And the the PlayStation controllers also use the light from the 
the uh, the move controllers. It's also using the light on your head to track as well. Oh. And so sometimes if you're if you're playing a shooting game and you put your hands in front of your face, yeah. sometimes it makes the screen kind of wiggle. <laughs> it doesn't know where your head is looking, something like that. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's it's subtle, but it's subtle enough to throw you off, right? Because when you're in VR, it's like even the putting you off even just a little bit makes you feel weird. Yeah. It kind of puts you off balance, right? So it doesn't have to be some major screen shaking <laughs> to put you off kilter. But when I say it reminds me of the Wii, it's because it remember when the Wii was out and that, you know, obviously there was the great games that Nintendo made. And then there was just what people called shovelware, which was like hundreds of these just really shitty ports yeah. of games where, you know, they were just terrible. And, and PlayStation VR seems to have a lot of those yeah. where you just, you know, there, there'll be these games with very generic titles, you know, it'll just be like disc throwing VR, <laughs> you know, like golf master vr and their games that were already on steam that cost like a dollar on steam that they've like ported over to the playstation they're trying to get away with charging like 20 bucks for them and so sometimes it's difficult because you don't it's not like steam right with steam you can actually get refunds you don't get refunds on playstation so it's a little bit more of a gamble yeah so i I watch a lot of reviews because I'm, I'm more into the shooting games right now for the VR. Maybe I'll try some puzzle ones, like if they're cheap. Mm-hmm. So I want a good shooting game and, you know, there'll be these ones that come out that seem like it'll be good and then I'll look at reviews and everyone will just be like going off about how terrible they are. <laughs> There's a game called Drunken Bar Fight VR, which I think I need to try. <laughs> okay. Just because it looked so funny. Like the trailer was so funny. It's just literally exactly what you think it is. You yeah. know, like it's just <laughs> Drunken Bar Fight VR and it's, it's probably like a 20 minute game. Like you say, yeah. they are are kind of they're more than demos Mm -hmm. but they're not full games they're like you know maybe like a two-hour experience or a three-hour experience at most but um they're not what you would call like a game i I really wonder where the vr scene is gonna go porn in the future (laughs) yeah i mean i think porn was probably (laughs) what it started the vr to begin with like any kind of medium i guess but i watched a really weird video that someone posted on facebook would you guess that it was japanese uh where there <laughs> there was a, really starts like some dude you know it's gonna not gonna end well and he had the vr helmet on and it's basically this machine that is just this thing you fucking put your wiener in yeah. and then and then you play some simulated sex game with the uh, anime characters yeah. and i'm like yep well i mean we all knew this was coming so yeah. <laughs> uh, let's let's just embrace it and can you imagine i mean as embarrassing as it must be to be walked in on when you're just beaten off yeah. imagine someone walking in on you and you have a helmet on and you're strapped to a machine that's like (laughs) (laughs) that has to be like the most embarrassing thing in the world oh yeah it must be but you know and you wouldn't even know they were there because if you had a helmet on with earphones (laughs) like you wouldn't even be able to turn around to be like oh shit and cover yourself up you're just gonna be sitting there fucking this machine (laughs) with a a helmet and people are just gonna be looking at you like what the fuck And that's the future. I don't think they'll be looking at you. They'll probably just end up running away from you or something. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, Yeah, it must be weird as fuck. But, you know. (laughs) Anyways, man, on that lovely note. (laughs) That's a a lovely note to end on, yeah. But um, listen, people should go check out Das Mortal. And you're going to be doing a tour. Actually, this episode might air while you're on tour. What's the actual date? The first date will be the 5th of April. 
Okay, maybe I'll try and time this episode because we're record. I don't like to say when I record the show because sometimes I record the show like months in advance. Okay, I don't want to give the uh, like the magic away from your show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't want people to know that I'm recording this show in 2016. Um, I'll try. <laughs> I'll try and post this up while you're on tour. So it's it's 15 dates. Is it 15 days a tour or is it longer than that? Oh, it's longer. It's it's the whole month. It's just that um, it's uh, like it's not like one show every day you know I'll, be, I'll have like a two-day break then another date somewhere else so uh yeah it's about like 15 dates all in all okay cool so i will do my best to make sure this show comes out while you're on tour so that way if anyone's listening and they're like man that crystal ball he sounds like a cool guy maybe he's fucking playing near you and go go see him oh thanks <laughs> that's pretty much all i got man but i hope you have a lovely evening oh well you too <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and if I ever uh, stop by Montreal, you know, we'll fucking hang out or something. Oh, yeah, of course. You, you give us a shout and we'll go there. We'll be with Lamatos probably too. And uh, we'll take you around, make you shop a little, the places we go, eat the poutine we eat. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do like some good poutine, man. Uh, that's, uh, that's some good shit. Oh, it is, especially at 3 a.m., there's nothing better. Yeah, that's what I love about Montreal. I don't even really do that much in Toronto, so I can't even act like I'm like some cool guy that goes out and does stuff. I maybe go to like, there's this one thing, there's this uh, tilt, this arcade that where they do like a synthwave night like mm-hmm. once a month. And I get to, I go to that maybe once every three months or something. Yeah. Because uh, my schedule never works for it, but uh, I pretty much do nothing. <laughs> but when I'm in Montreal, I do like going outside uh, at like 2 a.m. and having there be options. It's, yeah. it, it feels cool. Yeah, we have a bunch of those uh, arcade bars, barcades mm. uh, in Montreal, so we'll take you to those. Have a few matches of Street Fighter and stuff while listening to Synthwave. I am so terrible at Street Fighter. <laughs> it's amazing. Like, Mortal Kombat was my game when I was a kid, and Street Fighter, like, I played it, but yeah. I suck so bad. I, every time I go back and... I always use Dalsam, and then people told me lately that Dalsam is considered a shitty character, and I never knew that. Oh, well, you know, everybody everybody has a theory on everything. Like, <laughs> Yeah, fuck them. Yeah, yeah, just fuck them. Just, just be who you are. Be who you want to be, bro. Just be who you want to be. <laughs> All right, man. Well, listen, it was good talking to you, and uh, good luck on your tour. Thanks, thanks. Uh, and this was really, really fun. All right, and that was my conversation with Das Mortal. Thanks for tuning into the show. Don't worry, my lovely uh, Patreon Pattersons. Um, I will uh, make sure to thank you all next week, as I usually do. Sometimes I have to insert those things afterwards, which is why this week uh, it's a little tricky for me to do that. But, of course, I appreciate everyone who donates to Beyond Synth. It means a lot to me. It really does. And if you want to join them, the legions, uh, in helping support Beyond synth go to patreon.com slash beyond synth man it's cool and on that note i hope you guys have a lovely uh long well it's a long weekend here i don't know if it's a long weekend over there but it is one here and so i hope you enjoy yourselves i personally picked up far cry 5 and that has nothing to do with why this episode was delayed i just (laughs) maybe i shouldn't have mentioned that uh it was all because of easter all right uh listen you're all great And I will talk to you next time on Beyond Synth, the best retro synth music chat show there is in the world. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. This was.
Thanks for listening to Beyond Synth. If you would like to support Beyond Synth, please visit patreon.com forward slash beyond synth. And don't forget to check out Beyond Synth on Facebook, Twitter, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Instagram. If you want to submit your music for the show, please email it to beyondsynth at gmail.com. Have a lovely day.